this week in cyberspace. Let's take a look back across the year that was in cyberspace. Let's start with that last December the 1st when ChatGPT was first launched. It seemed to be a moment that shaped the entire year. Yeah. I'm really glad actually now to have the opportunity to talk about the year that wasn't <laughs> or that was. <laughs> it was been such a regrettable kind of confusing and kind of... I don't know, I guess a new frontier, as you say, and ChatGPT was one of the sort of moments in time which sort of began really at the beginning, the end of 2022 when it sort of shot into public consciousness. But 2023, you're right, was was really shaped by generative AI and just this whole idea that, you know, artificial intelligence wasn't something that was kind of remote or something that was kind of off in the distance. But we really experienced it and people... You know, mums and dads, um, kids and pops, you know, all around the world, like, understood that you could, like, just type in with some guardrails around or some sort of guiding questions um, and get a better answer than maybe even you or I could produce ourselves. Unbelievable. <laughs> Almost impossible to comprehend. It was interesting the day after the launch of Chat GPT, the Australian Department of Defence staff uh, used open AI servers without authority for the next, I don't know, seven months, nearly 6,000 yeah. times to, to June the 30th when they decided to restrict it. I mean, it potentially allowed access to classified and other privacy information. Green Senator and um, digital rights spokesperson David Shoebridge is very worried, saying there is no credible government-wide policy to address security concerns with these emerging technologies. Yeah. What yeah. has emerged? Because, I mean, earlier well, this year, the Attorney General publicly released the Privacy Act review of the Identity and Disrupt Bill, otherwise known mm -hmm. as Australia's Hacking Act, which was basically an act of parliament to enable surveillance, modification of data, interception of communications, and even account takeovers. Where has that mm. left us? Well... I mean, lots in there now, and I think just an indication of like how jam-packed 2023 has been with tech developments, like things have just sped up so fast. Um, the fact that you've got, you know, defence personnel who are using AI, using um, generative AI, is really concerning from a, from a range of different directions. One of which, of course, is the fact that, you know, when you... Um, you know, when you're engaged in this, you're also becoming a data set. You're becoming about a part of a data set for the new, for the next questions than the next user. And so, you know, defence departments all around the world and all um, government entities um, are concerned about their staff using it because they're actually revealing secrets. And potentially mm. if it's defence secrets or naval secrets or, Classified you know, information. whatever... <laughs> <laughs> classified information yeah. exactly becomes part of the, the data set. So really concerning from that front. And it is appropriate, as Shubridge suggested. And I think as many, you know, forward thinking politicians are thinking, is like, how are we going to um, protect privacy in the age of surveillance? And how are we going to protect personally identifiable information um, in an era where, um, you know, technology um the possibilities of technology are so great, but also the challenges, i.e., you know, this the access bill that you're talking about basically provides governments with an opportunity, the government here in Australia, but 
others are replicating that, to be able to access information, self-authorize um, entities to be like law enforcement, to be able to access your information, um, change it, alter it, review it, own it, delete it, uh, and all the other things that you can do with data. And it's good to see that there's a privacy review. I don't know what the outcome is as yet. These things often take ages. But Australia has also just um, announced a new privacy commissioner, which is a really positive step, actually. And that we'll see more about that in 2024. Cool. Um, in, in January of this year, you were at the World Economic Forum in Davos. Um, you took a selfie with <laughs> Will I Am, who loves chat GPT. <laughs> Nick Cave called it a grotesque mockery of what it is to be human. So there was a lot of yeah. you know differing differing opinions. About, yeah, what this new technology would mean for especially creatives and um, mm. artists. And I guess we had the yeah. writer's strike all around that idea as well this year. We did. We did and in seems so far away. But, it, mm. but in fact, yeah, one of the things that they were calling for was not just protection of their, um, um, their, their royalties, you know, sort of ensuring that with streaming that, you know, that writers were able to receive and actors actually as well be able to receive recurring payments, but also it was like to protect their jobs against AI. And you mentioned copyright again, like, you know, we've seen this real attempt by um, the European Union, but also other governments trying to find a regulatory framework that would deal with things like what happens to um, the creative um, ownership, the ownership of artists over their, um, their imagery and their style, even more importantly, that gets fed into these data sets. And then you see these images that, that are spat out of like, which we've talked about, you know, I know now that you didn't want to be the fairy princess, but you did want to be the, you know, the goddess warrior, I think it was. Um, and, and so, you know, people, artists are quite rightly asking the question about how is their, I sort of hesitate to use the word intellectual property, but how is their, you know, intellectual property being protected by AI, and it's just one of the many things that are being disrupted by this new form of technology. In February, um, TikTok's focused <laughs> view was released. That's an emotional recognition feature that targets ads to the user <laughs> based on your reactions to various videos, but it really raised questions about whether it actually violates laws, like <laughs> European laws in particular, European Union laws. Yeah, so this emotion recognition thing, and, and now we're going month by month, um, which is it's good because we'd like to. <laughs> well, I to went just back. Like ref- I went back yeah. to see what we'd actually covered month by month. Plucked out a few things just to yeah. you know remind just us highlights. of how much we've yeah. covered this year. I know, and and you know, what has happened? I mean, this- it really has sped up this year with Chat GPT setting the pace. Yeah, and and what was and what was also as you mentioned is interesting. This emotion recognition point, which is. Um, which my understanding is that it has actually been prohibited in the European AI Act. And there's still there's lots of details around that and whether there's, you know, the loopholes and exceptions, which we almost spent the whole of last week's session talking about (laughs) exceptions and loopholes. Um, Is there still a law in place if there's like 17 different exceptions? (laughs) Is that actually a law? (laughs) <laughs> or yeah, is that a law, or is that an ex- you know the the um an excuse <laughs> the artificial the, an excuse the artificial exception act? Um, <laughs> but you know this idea about emotion recognition is a really important one about like mm. how does 
where you move your eyes, like the 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 sort of the the muscles on your face, how do they move, etc. When you look at things, mm, and um, that you're interested in or not yeah. disinterested, yeah, or disinterested in yeah. them. And there's also been this like gender and gender recognition, sexual orientation recognition. And I think that there has certainly been some prohibitory framework around that in the European Union. But, you know, there's a lot of unscrupulous actors out there. Um, TikTok was kind of named as one. Um, And we I think we did get a letter from them to say that they weren't going to uh, use that technology. But then perhaps they actually are as part of their kind of sales platform, which was like, we can tell you whether your customers or your potential customers are interested in product A or product B by how you respond when you look at that image online. On March the 27th, just two days before the launch of the second US Summit for Democracy in Washington, D.C., there was a major victory for human rights activists when President Biden made an executive order to ban US federal agencies from using commercial spyware. That was massive. And I think that what we saw in 2023 um, and Nell, so glad that you went back through the archives because I, you know, it's so easy to be constantly caught up in the kind of, you know, churn. Mm. But actually, that that uh, executive order from Biden was a good one because an important one because it not only set the foundation for how U.S. government and its agencies deals deal with commercial spyware, but also there was a joint statement that was signed at the same time with I think eleven other countries um, that were also committed to. Um, reining in the purchasing and the use and the sale and the transfer of spyware, um, commercial spyware. So Australia was one of the was a signatory there. France was a signatory there. A number of other countries, Canada. Um, really important because we're now setting new norms around spyware. This is like, you know, from the early 2020s, I think that there's just this sense that, you know, if we've got the technology, we can use it. Well, no, you can't. Because like when you start spying on your population, yeah. like that's the end of a democracy. It's the hallmark of autocracy. And I think mm. we need to very clear guardrails around that. So it was a great win. Are you listening to me? Then in April, Microsoft decided to ditch its entire AI ethics team. So that was a <laughs> that was a bit problematic for putting guardrails around the development of AI, wasn't it? You know, yeah, this was also an interesting development throughout the year because we saw a lot of the big tech companies laying off. You know, for the first time, there was like very significant thousands of people. I think 120,000 at one point um, has been you know, laid off from various different platforms that we all use. Um, and, you know, who goes first, you know, like the ethics teams, the H- human rights teams, mm, the trust yes. and safety. I mean, yeah. Elon Musk kind of set the, the platform for that or the sort of, you know, the thinking is that you could just like get rid of whole sections of your your employment and your employees that are actually fundamental to the human rights, societal kind of ethical frameworks in in which these um, platforms operate. And it's going to bite them in the bum as well because when they don't have those people to turn to, those experts, um, like what happened at at Twitter slash X, you know, it became a free-for-all. You know, you don't have have people monitoring the network um, and making sure that people aren't, you know, inciting violence, et cetera. 
Yeah, I mean, Elon Musk has been a major player this year. The blue <laughs> bit of happiness was excommunicated and uh, rebranded <laughs> as X, the new brand of Twitter. Mm. So that was aligning with Elon Musk's other ventures like SpaceX, XAI, and even the name of his son, which is XAEA12, who his mother explains, <laughs> Grimes explains that the name represented the unknown variable and her elven spelling of AI, love and or artificial intelligence. That was a bit convoluted too. But it did seem like a very self-centred move. Yes, it was. I mean, you know, the purchasing of um, of Twitter, the conversion of the name, um, really, you know, a lot of people were very critical of Twitter over the years and, and X, but I think it just hit a whole new level because even those people who had used it, like myself, and I still, you know, to an extent do, but, you know, use it to be able to communicate our views and perspectives on things is so important. Like if you don't, you know, you don't have a podcast, you don't have a radio station, you don't have a television outlet, you've always got online sphere. So you can post stuff about, you know, diplomacy, politics, human rights, you know, warfare, safe spaces, like, you know, all the stuff. Um, and we have to a degree lost that. And that's a real shame. Um, and I think there was the attempt, attempts by, you know, um, um, you know, Zuckerberg to try and get this like threads coming out of um, Insta, you know, which was an alternative to Twitter. And I just haven't seen anything really come to life in the way that Twitter was no. at its heyday. Yeah. So sort of coming towards the end of the year, you were in the Internet Governance Forum in Riyadh. Yeah. What came out of that conference? I mean, one of the things that was really concerning about that was not, even though there was like, well, I think two two main things. One is that there was a real absence of the war in Gaza, which, you know, obviously has been a headline for the year. Um, and the kind of also the way in which Ukraine has kind of gone off the front pages and we a lot of the stuff at the intersection of war and technology, which we talked about in Ukraine, we've now talked about in terms of in Gaza. But it was really interesting to see how like the attacks on October 7 and the following like you know destruction that you've seen from the Israeli forces of the digital sphere in Gaza like that whole discussion wasn't really front and center at the internet governance forum which was a massive shame it's the big conference in the UN UN conference on the internet I should say and then the fact of where the next event was going to be and that is like you know um at the end of Saudi the, Arabia the, isn't it Correct. And at the end of the World Summit on the Information Society, which is like 20 years from like 2005 to, to you know, to end up in Riyadh in Saudi, which is really a digital autocracy as opposed to a democracy, is, is really concerning. And when you think about all of the things that we've talked about in 2023, all need to fit under this framework of internet governance. How is the internet governed? How is the digital sphere manage control what are the principles the norms the processes etc and when it ends up in a country like you know saudi which it may not still with some protests but it probably you know let's see um that that really raised questions for me about how are we going to deal with not just the ups and downs of different technologies but how are we actually governing this stuff um and you know thank god for this week in cyberspace now because we're able to shine a light on some of this <laughs> throughout the year that's right. Um, there was a declaration of principles for content and platform governance um, in times of crisis. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't seem to have been adhered to at all in the case of Gaza, especially by the big tech giants. So between October the 7th 
and the 18th of October, mm. there were over 103,000 cases of hate speech and or incitement in Hebrew on X and other platforms. So have mm. any of those, those platforms been brought to task over this? I'll just say that October 7 were actually the Hamas attacks on Israel. And then following that, yes. I think the reports look at it from October um, 9, when there were those first internet shutdowns, um, the first realisation that, like, the Israeli forces were actually in retaliation with destroying infrastructure. Like, so you have radio towers, fibre optic cables, etc. cetera. Mm. And then looking at the role of the internet service providers, Powtel and others that were forcibly required to shut down the internet or shut down parts of the internet or throttle it, et cetera. Um, you know, really got to sh really got to see firsthand, like um, how warfare and digital warfare intersect. How essential, you know, it is for people who are um, facing bombardment, etc., to be able to contact the emergency services and their loved ones, etc. And then, as you say, what is the role of the big tech companies? Yeah, making sure that like content is neutral or no, not necessarily neutral but the platform is neutral or the platform has um rules on hate speech uh on incitement to genocide and violence etc that it that are applied equally to all sides mm. and i think that hasn't been the case and many of the reports that have been put out by hamla access now did those that declaration that you mentioned who i work for you know like looked at like what was being censored and what was being removed and which hashtags weren't being um you know, broadcast and it very much showed on most of those with most of those platforms that there was an inherent bias um, against the Palestinians, against Arabic content. Um, and so, you know, a lot of the Palestinian community has basically been saying like, wait, first you bomb us and then you silence us. And that's the hashtag stop, stop silencing Palestine. And that's why it's mm -hmm. been so important. And there's a new acronym, WCNSF. Uh, wounded child, no surviving family, which oh uh, remains a stain on our collective humanity as we head into this next year. Let's hope it's a better one for everybody. Thanks so yeah, much, absolutely. Brett. And it's uh, true now. Yeah, we've we've had yeah. a we've had a wild ride, and we'll keep really our eye ride. on the tech space in 2024 with this week in cyberspace. And hopefully, as you say, a peaceful one because I think that. You know, this year has been so devastating on so many fronts. But when we think about how digital can be used for good and how digital can be used for peace and how digital can be used by citizens to shape the world that they live in as opposed to governments and authorities and militaries to actually, you know, control and censor and, and you know, even destroy us. So, mm. you know, we've got a lot to discuss and hopefully next year will be a beauty. Yes, the internet for good. <laughs> yes. All right, I now, know. thank you.